Welcome to Real Review, a podcast to help you decide for yourself if a movie or TV show is worth your time, money, and energy. With Real 1, Zoe will break down the nuts and bolts, minus spoilers, of course. And with Real 2, she'll invite you into a conversation about the narrative, characters, background, and the power of story. Here's Real 2. What Happens Later was a movie I had been looking forward to seeing ever since I heard they were making it. Because one, it was shot in Northwest Arkansas. Two, it was being directed and starring the 90s icon Meg Ryan. And three, because it was short and short. And three, because it was shot in Northwest Arkansas, I know people who got to be extras in the movie. All these things combined and I was excited. I couldn't wait to see it. And all my pent-up expectations and hopes are probably why I felt so disappointed while leaving the theater. One of the things I try to do with this podcast is help answer the basic questions everyone asks before buying their theater ticket. And I also try to help maintain expectations so people go in with the right mindset before seeing a movie. When I went to see Five Nights at Freddy's, for example, I made sure my expectations were low, even though I was really excited. And I had a great time. So I think part of my problem here was not checking my expectations. I expected a lot from what happens later, and it didn't deliver what I thought I was going to get. Imagine ordering a bacon cheeseburger and getting a Caesar salad. I like Caesar salad, but it isn't what I wanted. But if you did order a Caesar salad and that's what you got, you'd probably be happy. So that's where reviewing this movie is a bit tricky and why I'm so glad my mom came with me because she didn't have those expectations like I did and she was happy with the Caesar salad. All right, I'll stop with the Caesar salad analogy. Before I continue any further with my review, I want to add a disclaimer that what happens later covers some heavy topics and they're big reveals to the movie's story. So be warned that this is a spoiler-filled discussion and a disclaimer in case you're sensitive to topics related to sexuality and child loss. So what is what happens later? And of course, I had to do a bit of digging because after leaving the theater, I wasn't sure what what happens later was, but I did find some clarity. The film felt a bit bizarre to me, made some interesting choices, and I thought it must have been very personal to Meg Ryan, and we'll get into why, but all those things now make sense, because this film, What Happens Later, is actually based off of a stage play titled Shooting Star. Instantly, so many things about the movie made sense, and honestly, I think I would have enjoyed it much more if I'd seen it as a play. There are some things which just don't translate well from stage to screen. They are completely different mediums. With a movie, you can get up super close in people's faces, their eyes, small gestures can be huge. The emotion is carried in subtlety. And you can utilize all of the camera angles, the techniques, the tools of cinema, sound design, special effects. You can edit things to show different time periods, cut in between scenes. In a stage play, you as the audience member are sitting very far away from the actors. So they portray things in very big, dramatic ways. Their emotions are acted with all of these ranging voices, dramatic lines, dramatic movements. It's all made so much bigger because you're farther away sitting in the theater. We can also suspend our disbelief in a far different way watching a play than a movie. We use our imagination combined with the set design and costumes, but things can represent places or time periods. And it's even normal in some plays to take place in a single location and focus exclusively on dialogue. 
which is kind of what happens in What Happens Later. Knowing this movie was a play, so much of what I didn't like about the movie now makes sense. I didn't like that the whole movie took place in the airport, just the airport, they don't go anywhere else. I didn't like that the movie was simply two people just talking the entire time, nothing really happens. And I didn't like that this weird airport overhead announcer randomly interjected and said things that seemed to be directed exactly at the main characters. It just didn't make sense in reality. Speaking of which, quite a few things that happened in this movie just don't make sense in reality. And I can get it, movies can be fantastical, they can be whimsical, they don't have to make sense, but they kind of need to make sense, you know what I mean? Half of this movie seemed to be based in real life, you know, these are real issues, this is hard stuff that we go through, here's how relationships work, how they're complicated, and then on the flip side of things, it was completely not serious completely dramatic or weird or random, and I just couldn't figure out what this movie was supposed to be doing. What is it supposed to be? These things aren't meshing up together. But if it was a play, then it makes total sense why you're stuck in one location, the airport. The two people talking the entire time, making these big dramatic movements, going through the melodrama, having a random godlike entity on the intercom making comments, it's all theatrical, it makes sense as a play. Another thing which happened in the movie that didn't make sense to me while I was watching it, but makes sense now that I know it was based on a play, is the fact that everyone seems to disappear about halfway through the film. At first, Meg Ryan's character and David Duchovny's character are in a busy airport, and slowly, as the movie progresses, there are less and less people until the airport completely closes, leaving them in the dark, closed airport. Now, it's literally just the two of them, which would never happen in reality. There is no way an airport would close down completely and abandon two passengers. But if it's a play, that makes sense. While watching the movie, I was slouched back in my chair with my arms folded, wondering what on earth is happening? But actually, my mom pointed out later while giving me her feedback that it was rather artistic. It was like a metaphor showing how the two of them were drawing closer to each other and actually listening and caring, and I can see that point. I suppose it can be interpreted as an artistic choice, and again, it makes sense from this theatrical perspective. So, like I alluded to, the plot of what happens later is about these two main characters who are basically the only characters of the story. They get stuck at this small regional airport because there's a big snowstorm, and they unintentionally reunite uh, 25 years since their painful breakup. And over the course of being stuck in this airport, waiting for the storm to pass to get back on their flights, they unpack all of the baggage from their relationship and their life and reflecting on what happened and what their futures hold. Now knowing what the plot of the film is, I don't think I would have seen it in theaters. I thought it was going to be a romantic comedy with Meg Ryan and David Duchovny, and I thought they were going to go all across Bentonville and Crystal Bridges, and the romance would spark and bloom, and it'd be funny, like a classic 90s movie that Meg Ryan used to star in. But what happens later is not a rom-com at all. It's more like a romantic drama. There's lots of drama. And it wasn't the kind of drama that I was expecting, nor the kind that I enjoy, and I personally didn't find it romantic at all. The only romantic aspect of the film that I thought was how they talked about their previous romantic relationship. I didn't find their present-day interactions in the movie, them interacting, 
that it was romantic at all. I didn't think they had some spark or chemistry. They just seemed to me like good friends. And I was hoping that that was the angle the film would take, that they would actually just stay as good friends. But it turned out to be more explicitly romantic, much to my disappointment. Meg Ryan actually said in some interviews that she wanted to give the play Shooting Stars a modern retelling. And this is one thing that she said about romance. Quote, I think love stories are pretty much mostly about obstacles. And in this case, these are two people whose natures are the obstacle. And I think what's also interesting about them is exactly what they love about each other is exactly why they broke up. And I think that's a very common thing. End quote. I agree with that. There are tons of obstacles in life and even our relationships. But I struggle to resonate with the film and its characters. For example... I felt super uncomfortable, especially at the beginning of the film. Meg and David meet, there's awkwardness, which at first was funny and relatable. Oh, how awkward, I'm seeing my ex at the airport. And then I could tell the film was struggling to force these two constantly to be in the same space in this airport so that they would be forced to talk and then eventually argue. It felt unnatural, it felt forced. And I felt like I wasn't meant to be there. I shouldn't be watching these very personal, intense conversations that were loaded with bitterness. It's like if you've ever been to a really awkward Thanksgiving dinner and everyone's arguing and hashing it out and you just want to leave. I felt like I was intruding on their issues. And I especially didn't like Meg Ryan's character. I grew very annoyed with how resentful and spiteful they were. They were super unpleasant. And I sat there wondering... What is the point of all this? What am I watching? Two people being dramatic and annoyed with each other? But towards the end of the film, after all of the baggage is being unpacked, it makes sense why they are the way they are. But I think there's a difference between fun, witty banter, where you can watch two charming characters have at it on the screen, like an engaging tennis match. And then there was whatever What Happens Later had. I don't know what you would call that. Plus, there was some awkward humor interjected with the overhead airport announcer guy, the voice of God, so to speak, who said things seemed directly aimed at them, at the characters. And again, I'm wondering, what is happening? <laughs> what is this voice of God, this airport announcer? What, what is he doing in this very serious, tense moment that's trying to be funny? I, I, I couldn't quite get it. It was like just didn't know what the movie was. Is it funny? Is it not funny? It goes from serious melodramatic moments to these random jokes that didn't seem to mesh. I just couldn't understand if this movie was based in reality or not. As I mentioned earlier, if it was on a stage play, it would make more sense. The suspension of disbelief is different in a play, and in fact, I think that would just work so much better. The melodrama of the characters being forced together, the voice of God, that just makes more sense as a play. As far as the two main characters themselves, I liked David Duchovny the best. I think he was one of the shining elements of this movie, made it more bearable to watch. I just did not like Meg Ryan's portrayal, how she did her character, just everything. She just came off as very abrasive and arrogant, which I know makes more sense later in the film because, again, they unpeel the onion layers, they unpack the baggage, you realize why she is the way she is. So I felt a little bit better towards the end of the movie about her, but I just still didn't like her and didn't like sitting through all of this tension and uncomfortability. But again, I know that's the point. The point is that it's uncomfortable and annoying. 
And that's supposed to be the point because that's life, I guess. I don't know. So as you can see, a lot of the problems that I have with this movie have to do with the medium. I think the story isn't necessarily bad. It just works better as a play. And for me personally, it was hard to even connect with the two characters you're stuck with in this boring location as they're peeling back the layers of their relationship that I am not invested in, wondering why does this matter and where is this story going? Eventually, it does answer those questions. We eventually see what's happening and it just turns into soap opera levels of reveals as all these things keep happening that they're talking about in their relationship. It goes from one minute the characters are arguing about something inconsequential and annoying and then the next minute they reveal that they had a miscarriage and you're like, well, bam, tonal whiplash. Where did that come from? Oh my gosh, I was not expecting that. And even worse than learning about this unfortunate miscarriage and everything regarding this topic, I was even more shocked by their discussion on this open relationship. A critical moment happens when it's revealed the reason why they broke up 25 years ago while they were in their mid-20s is because Meg Ryan's character said that she wanted an open relationship and he felt inclined to agree. In case you don't know, an open relationship means the people in this relationship are not intimately exclusive. They have intimacy with anyone, no repercussions, why it's even a relationship, I don't get it. And David's character felt uncomfortable with this, and I was uncomfortable hearing about this. So, of course, he broke up with her a little while later. And she reveals, towards the end of the movie, that she actually never cheated on him. She remained faithful even though it was her idea to have an open relationship because she said she wanted to explore her sexuality. By the way, this added to why I didn't like her character. So let's look at this. You've got a young couple who are madly in love and committed to each other, and one of them just, just says, hey, I want to sleep with other people. I think you have to be insane to think that's not going to brew insecurities, anxieties, unnecessary stress, tension, jealousy, all unhealthy things. I don't blame David for breaking up with her. But hey, this is the unfortunate world we live in, and if Meg Ryan was trying to do this as a modern revamp, a modern retelling of this story, I don't know if this is in the original play or not, but this is the world we live in. So maybe I shouldn't have been so shocked and surprised by all these reveals. And to the film's credit, it does clearly show how this open relationship idea became a big problem and had consequences for this couple, even though Meg never technically cheated, just the idea of sleeping with multiple people was enough to devastate David. Poor David. I felt so bad for David this whole movie. Back to the miscarriage reveal and the added reveal that Meg's character ended up having a child, but she gave her up for adoption. It was just one thing after another. And because I couldn't tell if this movie was serious or not, these big reveals felt melodramatic. But, and this is serious, miscarriage is a real reality. One in four women experience this kind of loss. It is traumatic and heartbreaking. And I am in a way glad that this movie highlights it because I think it's very often overlooked. People don't want to talk about it. So I was kind of glad the movie talked about it and how, you know, when it was revealed. But because it just seemed to come out of nowhere and it's such a serious, real topic slapped into all of this melodrama, it was really hard to figure out if this was also supposed to be taken seriously. Like, what are, what are we talking about here? 
I hope you can see where I'm coming from and how I felt watching all of this unfold. But the adoption storyline was something very personal to Meg Ryan. She actually adopted her daughter Daisy from China and spoke in some interviews leading up to the film's release about how special and magical it was to her not just to adopt Daisy, but then adding that storyline into the movie. In the movie, Meg Ryan's character explains how her daughter was adopted into a loving good home and she thinks there's some universal entity out there taking care of her, making sure it all works out. An interesting addition to the story, and I think it was a nice touch, clearly very personal to Meg Ryan and her character, obviously. And as the movie was closing, all of this baggage is explained, and so you understand why she is so mean and aggressive to David, because she thought that David abandoned her, and she continued to make a bunch of bad choices. Meanwhile, David thought that he wasn't enough for her, and so he left her, and he went off to have a boring life without her, had a wife that's now divorcing him and a teenage daughter that's mad at him for being too practical and logical, and now he's in this weird place. And they're both looking back on their lives, the mistakes they've made, choices, consequences, where they are now, and there's closure. Thanks to this meeting, a new page is turned and some hope for their futures. Meg is going to meet her grown-up daughter for the first time, and David is going to make it up to his daughter. You may have noticed a while ago that I've been referring to these characters by their actor names, and it's because I couldn't see these actors as anything else than Meg Ryan and David Duchovny. Their names in the movie, I believe, were Willa and William, and they had the same last name. I can't remember what it was. And they just go by Willa and Bill, which I thought the scriptwriters must have thought they were so, so clever. And actually, these characters occasionally refer to each other by their full names because they legally kind of have the same name. And I just found it very corny and forced. All right. You can tell I did not like the movie, and I don't want this to be a hostile movie rant. There are good pieces to this movie. Like I said, it probably makes a very compelling play. And I think part of the reason why I struggled with it so much is because I couldn't resonate with these characters and the story. But my mom, who was in a similar life stage to these characters, did connect with them. And she gave me some valuable insight, which helped change my perspective a bit. First, are you on a trip or a journey? Meg Ryan asks David this the first time they meet in the airport. It's that awkward meeting. They're trying to make small talk. And she asks him, are you on a trip or a journey? And that is a great question. Genuinely a good one. A trip is getting to a destination and a journey is going towards a goal. In the movie, they don't really revisit this question or this topic, but it does launch the premise really well, set these characters up and show how different they are because David's character is on a trip. He's just going from one place to another versus Meg Ryan's character is kind of just on this journey of life, not making any progress towards her goals. My mom said it like this. We can get caught up in our destination that we don't enjoy the journey, or we can be lost in our travels that we don't make progress towards our goals. You kind of need both. And that is something I did like about these characters is that they're such complete opposites that they do end up working well together because they complement each other. Where one person is a free-spirited crazy person, <laughs> the other one is solid and grounded, and together they make life better for each other. 
They bring it up in the movie how David is like an anchor to Meg, who's like an air balloon. And part of why David broke up with her originally is because of that whole open relationship thing. But larger than that, he felt like he was holding her back from the things that she might have wanted to do in life. Her adventures, her free-spirited nature, her wanting to explore and do all these things. But in actuality, she wanted him as her anchor. She wanted that stability. And without it, she spent the next 25 years floundering, making poor decisions, and being emotionally lost in that airport the day that they reconnected. And he needed her because he needs to relax and not be so anxious and uptight, and she brings the fun and joy out of him. Another thing my mom pointed out is that at her stage of life, there's a lot of looking back on your past relationships, looking back on the big life decisions and wondering, what if... What if I hadn't done this, or instead I did that, and what would my life have looked like? And luckily, Meg assures David and us, the audience, that we can't change anything in our past. Wondering about the past and what we could've, would've, should've done isn't gonna change our future. Changing our future happens by being present. And luckily, because Meg and David met, they find closure and they move forward with the different things happening in their separate lives. As painful, awkward, and uncomfortable as it was, those conversations were 25 years overdue. And luckily, they did happen. Not everyone has that opportunity. When we break down the story, I like it. I might not completely get it because I'm only 24 years old and still making my own mistakes and choosing the trajectory for my life. And maybe 25 years from now, this movie will hit different as I look back on my life. But I can still appreciate this story, the significance of it, and how much it may mean to people. And I can tell it means a lot to Meg Ryan. I imagine I would have liked it more as a play because I did not like the weird filmmaking choices. But I think this film will resonate with people similar to Meg and David. People that are in a season of life looking back on these decisions, and maybe you'll enjoy what happens later. But I don't think it's a movie for everyone, and that's okay. It's a very special and significant work for Meg, very personal to her, and in that way, I thought the movie had a sense of rawness and vulnerability. And that's beautiful. Not a movie that I personally enjoyed, but I can see why others would, like my mom, and I'm so glad she enjoyed it. But if you're looking for a classic, wholesome romantic comedy, I recommend Return to Me. Also starring David Duchovny. It's honestly one of my favorite quote-unquote chick flicks of all time, and it's because it's not a chick flick. It's more than the tropes and cliches. It's beautiful, heart-filled, with believable characters and quotable lines. I could gush on and on. All this to say, if you are looking for something to watch and you aren't sure about what happens later, I highly recommend Return to Me. And that's all I have to say about what happens later. This was a hard movie for me to review. I struggled to connect with the story, found it bizarre, and I recognize it connected with others, and I think that's honestly beautiful. There's a beautiful story in this movie, one of trips and journeys and how you need both. The Real Review Podcast, hosted by Zoe Moody, is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network. You can listen to more Real FM podcasts or Real FM radio on the Real FM app or at real.fm.